operate in us. It will operate for us. It will operate in us and on us and for us. And then with some things about newness and, and uh, freshness. You have to take a hold of that. You've got to, by faith, take a hold of those things. Hallelujah. And believe for them. I said believe for them. See? Now let's turn in our Bibles once again here to the book of Romans chapter 5. If you want to turn there with me or you can listen to me, I'm going to read from the Amplified on this one verse. And then we're going to move ahead today with some new material we have. And I've got some important things to share with you today. And uh, everybody ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, and I can't go back and rehash everything I've already taught. I've been teaching on it for several weeks. But I am making a composite, uh, I think, the last Tuesdays and last Sunday mornings. I'm going to keep those two uh, uh, times and put them in a set called Being Filled with the Spirit. And then this morning's probably and so forth. Because it's important for you that you understand that it's important to be filled with the Spirit and to speak in other tongues. See, we just read out of that one translation a minute ago about uh, don't put, try to put a stop to the activity of the Spirit. There's a lot of things about the Spirit, and I'm going to get into some things tonight if you care to come back and pray with me about praying in the Spirit. We got into some things Tuesday morning. I called up Donna, and I said, I'd like to take the prayer meeting. She said, well, sure, come on. And so I came Tuesday morning, and there was seven or eight of us here. My goodness, did we get into the Spirit. You know, and you can't do that without the Spirit's help. See, I want to talk a little bit about that today. You can think you can, but you can't. You're going to need His help to get in certain realms. But if you didn't understand the Spirit of God in your life in, in any realm, then you're not going to have Him. He's available, but He's our helper. He's not the doer. We employ Him in this sense. We step out to obey what God tells us, and then He enables us. It says, They were all filled, and they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, I'm not giving the utterance when I'm speaking in tongues, but I'm praying out the utterance that the Holy Ghost gives. He's not praying it out. He's not praying. He's helping me to pray. There's some misunderstood scriptures sometimes, and that's where rightly dividing. And, and not only that, how about a little maturity? Well, somebody knows something, then we rightly divide things. And then also we begin to see, because we're a little further down the road than we were 35 years ago, of how you implement that. Hallelujah. Now, here we are in Romans 5. It says here, and we're going to be praying tonight at 6. You know, 6 we'll have our regular praise, and then we're going to have prayer meetings. So anyway, I won't say any more about that now. If you'd like to come pray with me about camp, it would be a good time to come learn something. I'm going to do a little teaching, and then we're going to have some prayer time. The last part, the latter part of Romans 5 and 2, this latter part of this verse from the Amplified, says, and we rejoice, let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. So we're supposed to be experiencing and enjoying the, it says here, the glory of God, but as I said before, we studied that out 25 years ago and we found out the glory is His presence. So I just insert that into that comment. I'm supposed to be experiencing, you're supposed to be experiencing, and enjoying the presence of God. Not just me teaching you about it. But you're supposed to be taking what's been taught to you and then implement and, and practice and be a, James says, a doer of the Word. And then as you do that, then the Spirit of God begins to enable you and help you to experience what has been taught. And not only experience it, hey, that's one thing, that'd be enough but we can enjoy it. This is what I was trying to get over to you. I don't know that I did a real good job earlier, you know, in the praise and worship uh, about enjoying the presence of God. I've been in this long enough, been through seasons and, and you know, and, and you, you know, in the body of Christ, not just this church, but the body of Christ as a whole, you get strange doctrines float through every 25 years. I've, been, I've lived long enough now to see that come back around in, in, in goofiness that tries to come. I've been through those things. I've been through, and I was always a good student of the Word, still am. And so I began to rightly divide things and different things like that and get beyond what was things that people derailed about. I'm trying to help you. But we're supposed to be experiencing and enjoying the glory of God or the presence of God. 
you know, church ought to be, there's no place on earth, Pastor Keith, to quote him, there's no place on earth like the church. I'm not bashing academic universities and colleges and, and, and technical schools and all. That has its place in academic realm and the mental realm and, and achieving things that you do vocationally. We're all for that. You ought to get the best education you can get. But now the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is to know God, to reverence Him. The beginning of, uh, of knowledge is to know God and reverence Him. So what I'm saying is where else can you get information like this? And then this, unfortunately, a lot of some people don't know it. They got a Bible, but they never study it much, and they don't know much. So you're limited sometimes by what people know. Now let's go over here to the book of Philippians. Again, I want to pull one reference out. I'll read it from the King James first, and then from the Amplified Philippians. And this has been a keynote scripture for me over the last year. And you know, when I find a scripture and it jumps out to me, I start, I start chewing on it. I start thinking about it. I start asking God about it. I start talking to Him about it. Lord, I see there's something in here you have for me to get, to receive, to respond to. And, and, and so it says in the King James of Philippians 1 and 10 that you approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. And that, that means until He returns. Or if you leave before then, you know, that was what that would mean. But anyway, here it says Philippians 1 and 10, so that you may surely learn, this is from the Amplified, again, it's very close to the Greek, surely, that you may surely learn to sense what is vital. Now that tells me a clue that the, the King James doesn't tell me. I have to learn something. It's not automatic. A lot of people got their, they, learn, they think things are vital that have no bearing on what's really vital. You know, something vital, I mean, that, that's down to the ICU unit. You know, some, some machine's breathing for you. That's vital. <laughs> you know, you know if, you, if that machine unplugs or, or you, you know what I'm saying, you're gone. All right. That you may surely learn to sense what's vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value. See, I'm talking to you this morning about the real value of praying in other tongues. Is if you don't see the value, you'll never do it. And if you never do it, you'll never experience much of His glory in this covenant. Now, you can know the Bible. There's something to know in the Bible. I'm not putting that down. I went to seminary. No, you know, come on. But, uh, and made good grades. But I realized when I got out in the real world and they left that whole wing of the university off, the Holy Ghost wing, that whole floor, they left that whole floor out. There was no elevator that went to that floor. There was nothing there. It was just a vacant. See? And I realized when I got out in the real world with real people, being a real man of God, trying to help people, that I needed the Holy Ghost and all that He could do for me. Because I couldn't really help people without Him very effectively. I couldn't even help myself a whole lot. Now, I, I knew the Bible. I'd studied and everything. You know, I'm not... Ridiculing that. But that's only one part of the equation. Remember, we're word and spirit people. You know, the problem is some people just want to be word people without the spirit. And then some people want all the activity of the spirit, but they don't want to study their Bible. They just want to run, buck, scream, fall on the floor, and roll around. Well, that's not any good either because you've got to have instruction about how those two merge together. I'm, I'm all for being as wild as God lets us be. That's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying to put that down, but we need the Word and the Spirit. Remember, we taught you so many verses. You remember all those verses we went over? It said that we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. There's those two things. Jesus said, you do err. That's another passage in Matthew 22. You err not knowing the Scriptures, number one, nor the power of God. So, I mean, I had some good professors that knew some scriptures, but they, they neglected the Holy Ghost as far as what we see in the scriptures today and being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. We've already taught you from the Bible all five times when it's listed in the book of Acts where the Holy Ghost was poured out. Listen to me carefully. Where he's poured out upon a group of people for the first time. That every single situation, every single person got him 
every single person spoke in other tongues. Now, I don't know how normal people, intelligent people, want to fight that. I mean, that's like saying, okay, I just don't believe there ought to be four tires on a car. Well, go out there and take one off, see how it runs home for you. I just don't think a car ought to have a steering wheel. Well, God bless you. Just don't tear my parking lot up getting out of the lot, will you? Without a steering wheel. You're going to be misdirected and driving all over the place. See, see, that's just silliness. No, we need everything that the Father has provided. Everything that Jesus has provided. He said, I'm going back and I'm going to send you. It's expedient. It's more profitable that I go back because I got one I'm going to send. His name's the Holy Ghost. He's with you, but he's going to be in you. My God. And we found out when he gets in us and when he fills us and then we get to capacity, something starts coming out of us. It's called your personal prayer language or speaking in other tongues. It's vital. It's of real value. See, you know, I didn't see all this when I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1978 of May in the back bedroom at 1017 Baxter Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky as a seminary student. I didn't see everything I'm telling you, but I've learned it. I would have prayed a lot more in tongues these last 35 years had I seen it from the perspective I'm at today. I've done my best to teach you, but I don't think we've gotten it like we should have. That's why I'm going back over it. Say, well, Pastor, I know all this. Yeah, but are you doing any of it? That's what I'm asking. If you're not stepping it up and praying in the Spirit and understanding the ways of the Spirit for your personal life, then, then this is of no value that I'm teaching you this. It's a value to me that I'm teaching it and a value to those that have an ear to hear and want to respond to it, but it won't be a value to people that don't practice this. There's no such thing I found out several years ago, probably 10, 15. There's no such thing as a New Testament church in your Bible that didn't speak in tongues and believe in casting out devils and, and ministering to the sick and getting them healed. There's no, there's no animal like that in the New Testament. Every one of them understood the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, occasionally there was some abuse or override of things. That's why Paul wrote them and addressed them. Don't despise prophecy. Sometimes there was so much of it that, uh, you know, people got an attitude about it. But that didn't mean so throw it out. I just read you in the same passage he said, don't despise prophecy out of this translation. Don't try to stop the activity of the Spirit. <laughs> and the main thing I'm talking to you about today is your personal life, not even the church life, but your personal life. Let me show you something I found. I don't know why I didn't see this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me show you something else here. This is enlightening. I, I've read this and read this and read this and read this and never saw it before. We're talking about what's vital today what's of real value you say well well, pastor if i don't understand praying in the spirit how could that be of value well because you're a spirit and god's a spirit and it would only stand to reason that he would give you a language to communicate him in to him in that is spiritual i'm going to preach for a, a hispanic pastor in i think january he met me at a meeting, came up and introduced himself, said he's reading my book, and he had an Hispanic, you know, he's a, I could tell from looking at him he was a Hispanic origin. I don't know if he came from Mexico or not, but anyway, Latin. And by the way, he talked, and I said, well, sir, do you pastor a, uh, if you said you're reading my books, you mean the English version or Spanish version? He said Spanish. I said, well, how'd you get my books in Spanish? He says, I, and I don't know what he told me, but come think of it. And he said, I'm really enjoying your book on spiritual fathers. I said, well, I appreciate that. And I came back home and uh, God, God spoke to me and said, I want you to, uh, he handed me his card. I didn't ask for it, but he handed it to me. So I, I took it and I, I got back here. I was praying one day. The Lord said, I want you to reach out to this pastor and bless him. I said, all right, what could I do? He said, well, why don't you send him some of your books? So additional books for his church. Well, I didn't even know if he had five people or 500 people or 5,000. I don't know, but I sent him 15, 20 books of each in Spanish and just wrote him a note and said, listen, just want to bless you. This is a gift. You can sell them and give them away, whatever you want to do. Well, he called back and said, can Pastor Jacobs come preach for me? Well, I'm going in January to preach for him. Then I'm going on to some other places. But anyway, 
he said, I'll have an interpreter for him. So I'm going to preach to Spanish people, so guess what? I'm going to need somebody to talk to them in their language. You know, I can say welcome and, and where's the bathroom and water and a couple things like that, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not fluent in Spanish unless the Holy Ghost would come on me. I've had that happen once down in Manzanillo, Mexico. But uh, hallelujah. See, you know, I, in order to communicate effectively with that congregation, unless God would just give them the gift to hear me in English, I mean, I'd be ineffective, wouldn't I? trying to talk to them and they don't understand what I'm saying. What's he saying? What's he saying? No, but I'm going to have somebody standing next to me that speaks their language and I'm going to speak and he's going to interpret because that's what they need, the language. See, and you begin to see the importance. And I've been in seven, over 75 mission trips all over the world and, and every place I've went, I've had to have an interpreter. From Russian to German to, you know, well, except England. But uh, you understand what I'm saying? And all over Latin America and different places and so forth. So we're seeing the importance here. What we're talking about today is you need to learn and put a value on the dispensation you're living in, which is the new covenant where you have become spirit people. What I mean is you are always a spirit being, but you become a new creature in Christ and your spirit's been born again and then God has filled you with himself through the ministry of the Holy Ghost and now you're speaking to him in a language that you didn't learn. Talk about supernatural. Man, you ought to let that sink into your head a little bit and realize how supernatural you really are. This, there's, been, never been a, there's never been a covenant like we're in. I mean, people say, well, I wish I lived in Jesus' day. Well, I don't know why. He wasn't in the new covenant. You're going to get healed with him. You're going to have to get in his personal presence or get around one of his disciples that was anointed with the power and in a special dispensation. They weren't filled with the Spirit like we know and speak in the tongues, but they, they had to be anointed by the, in a special moment of time. You'd have had to get around them to get it. We're in this dispensation, any person can receive themselves or let any believer lay hands on them. You know, if they, you know, and just laying, simple act of laying on a hands and then believing they receive. Hallelujah. You're supernatural people. I don't know if you realize that enough. God's got a purpose for you in a supernatural way for you to live. Now, I've been reading Corinthians for years here, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm in chapter 1, let me pick it up in verse 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace or the ability of God which is given you by Jesus the Anointed One. Now I'm already starting to see right here Jesus the Anointed One that he's talking about the power that in everything, in how much? Look at verse 5 again. That in everything you are enriched by him, notice this, in all utterance and in all knowledge. Notice that, don't, now, now I understand in the natural you have to have some knowledge first to understand there is such a thing as the baptism, but I saw this in a different light. He's writing to spirit-filled people. Catch a hold to this. See, I told you uh, four, five, six months ago, I'm in a new place, so you're going to have to upgrade your thinking. You can't think like I used to think in the 90s. You've got to think like where I'm at today. I'm almost in 2010. I'm talking about spiritually. Oh, so he's writing to spirit-filled people. I mean, they're so spirit-filled and they're so excited, he's got to tell them, listen, when you all get together, don't all speak in tongues for the whole service. He didn't say don't speak in tongues. He said just keep it in order. Okay, don't, you know, don't take it out of the context. So these people are excited. and they're, But here's what I saw. You're enriched in him by all utterance first and then the knowledge that comes out of that utterance. I don't know if you can see that. I can see it. Can you see it? If you, and what, what does utterance refer to in the Scriptures always? And says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We looked at Acts 8 last week or sometime and said, You have nor part nor lot in this matter. And we found out that word was utterance. We found out from Acts 10, we'll look at it later today, this morning, that they were filled with the Holy, and the other, filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost fell on them, and they heard, others heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. 
So there was utterance there. And then chapter 19 of Acts, you know, it talks about how Paul laid hands on them. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Or when you believed, the Greek says. And they said, we never even heard that there be any Holy Ghost. Well, he began to teach them. Then he, 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 you know, told them about Jesus Christ and the fullness of Jesus coming. And in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, laid hands on them. They all got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues and prophesied. And all of them did that. They spoke in tongues. Here, here's my point. There's utterance. So well, normally when we see the word utterance, it can apply to English speaking or our normal dialect. But in most cases, in the New Testament, it's referring to speaking in other tongues. So what I'm showing you is the reason some of you have not been enriched any more than you have. You haven't spent any time in utterance. Well, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. What's there to understand? Get with me in the Spirit and quit quenching the Spirit. The Spirit of God is your pastor has given me this message and given me the messages to help you understand the importance and the real value of you speaking and praying in other tongues. You know, they're making a federal issue about the black man and the white cop and all that. You know, and I, if we were covenant-minded, it wouldn't be an issue. We wouldn't even be having that discussion on the political scene. Or the, you know, I'm not taking sides. I'm just saying it's just foolishness. See, I told you 10 years ago this racial thing's not over. It's been over for me for over 35 years. Actually, my mom beat the you-know-what out of me as a kid if she ever thought I was partial to anybody for any reason, much less color. She told me, if you ever treat anybody different because they're in a different class than you, a different economic class, and we didn't have much anyway. If you ever treat anybody different because they're mentally handicapped, you ever treat anybody different because they're a woman, you ever treat anybody different because they're a different color, different race, a different origin or background, I'll beat the you-know-what out of you, Michael. I said, yes, ma'am. And I, I, she just drove all that silliness out of me when I was six, seven, eight, ten years old. I never had a problem with that. But when I got saved, I really got over in covenant and realized we're not black and white. We're covenant people. <laughs> and we're not male and female. We're covenant. Now, in a marriage relationship, yeah, my wife's the female. I understand that. But at the same time, we're covenant people. Hallelujah. So the reason many people are not enriched any more than they are, they're not speaking in tongues any more than they are, and they're not getting much knowledge from God. Let's read on see what it says. Even as the testimony of Christ or the power was confirmed in you. Yeah, of course it was. They began speaking tongues. Is that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice that. If you'd pray enough in tongues, you wouldn't come behind in whatever. I like to say it this way. Don't read too much into that. But whatever gifting and calling he has for you, it doesn't mean everybody's going to be fivefold. We know from reading further in this same book to some some apostles, some prophets, etc. But we are members of the body of Christ, right? You are the body of Christ and members in particular that will later come up in the 12th chapter of the same letter. So we know this, that whatever gifts are necessary and whatever gifts are appropriate and whatever gifts God wants to bestow on us, like you just saw me operate in earlier, See, that's part of the prophet's ministry. Of course, it could, could be in other ministries too, but I just know how God uses me. Word of knowledge about Jim and Helen and then about Tanya, and she wasn't here. I mean, I have it down here, a sticky tab back a week ago, and her name's right here, Tanya Myers. But she wasn't here because she probably need to take care of her baby, and God said to speak to her about that. Those things were words of knowledge. What Sandra and I was something she asked if she... she you could be, have hands laid on her and receive the blessing from me as her pastor. That was a different thing. But still yet, are you listening to me? You're gonna, see, the reason you're coming behind is you don't pray in tongues very much, some of you. I'm not just talking money. I'm talking you come behind sometimes. I don't understand this. What should I do about that? What should I do about this? I don't understand the economy. I don't understand our president. I don't understand our this. I don't understand that. What's to understand? The devil and God. What's to understand? Pray enough in tongues and you won't concern your brain about stuff you can't change anyway sometimes. Get your head over in this. Get your spirit over in this. Get over in the utterances of God. Oh. 
Man, I'm telling you, let's go over here to 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and look at verse 18 again. We've looked at it once before. I'm going to look at it again here. I've got some, some teaching to do for a few minutes. We're talking about the benefit and the real value of learning to sense what's vital. I'm not telling you, I am not telling you not to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You just need to come to church. You need to come to church, take notes. If you can't write everything out, you could just put the scriptures I'm referring to and then fill it in later or go back and meditate on it, whatever, and pray in the Spirit. This is the thing, praying in the Spirit. They did a this Pentecostal magazine. I don't know if it was the assemblies or not, but somebody. I don't have it with me on my body right now, but I have it in my office somewhere around here in a file that they did a research and and contacted people that were filled with the Spirit. And 49% of people never prayed in tongues after the initial time they spoke in tongues when they were filled with the Spirit. Almost 50% never spoke again. Never. Never. I mean, you know, I don't mean to be rude, but boy, what a waste of power. What a waste of the precious ministry of the Holy Ghost when people won't respond any better than just the first time they got initially filled and that's it. Well, I'm Pentecostal now. Well, yeah, but how about being spiritual now? How about employing all the elements of our spirituality? Yeah, study the Bible with your pastor and and go to our bookstore and read the books we endorse and different things like, but just come to church and then practice what you're being taught. See, but praying in the Spirit is the other side to that. It's not the whole thing, but we can see from first chapter that we were in just a minute ago, that we wouldn't come behind if we would give ourselves to some utterance. We'd have the knowledge we need. We would, we would be confirmed unto the end. It went on to say we would not come behind in any gift that we might need. Now, you see, see, let me tell you something here. Yeah, I see it, Father. See, you know, I, 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 uh, uh, 1993, you know, I was frustrated. I know you're really encouraged to hear that, but anyway, and... And I'd been in the ministry for over 20 years, but yet at the same time, I realized I wasn't in the place God wanted me to be at, spiritually speaking. My marriage was good. My children loved God. The church was booming. The church was growing. Yet I was dissatisfied. There was a holy dissatisfaction on the inside. And I said to the Lord, I'm going to begin to pray in tongues for one hour in addition to my regular prayer time every day until you speak to me about this because I need to know where it is I need to go to figure this out. So I prayed in tongues for three months. Now, I was praying in tongues every day of my life since 1978. That's 15 years forward after that date. And I was praying in tongues a good portion of time every day already and praying over my church, praying over my family, my babies, etc. yada, 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 yada. You know, the things that you know to pray when you have some knowledge about you. But I began to give myself to praying in other tongues. In addition to other times I was praying in tongues to build up myself and other things like that. To seek the Lord and talk to Him about and communicate with Him. Lord, where am I going to go to figure this out? I knew I needed to be somewhere and I didn't know where there was. You've heard me tell this before. God spoke to me after three months and said, call Dr. Ed Dufresne, have him come to your church. Now, see, coming behind in no gift? I don't know if you see the connection. See, I began to pray and give myself some uh, time to utter out things in my mind I didn't know. You know, and praying, 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 praying in other tongues. And then God spoke to me, interpreted back to me after three months. I don't know why it took three months. I don't have to figure that out. I'm not that analytical about it all anymore. But, I mean, he spoke and said, call Dr. Ed Dufresne. Now, he could have told me anybody on this planet, and I would have been looking for him. Out of six billion people, he put his finger on the one man that he knew I needed to help me get there. I don't know if you see that or not. And so even though I have gifts and I'm called in the ministry of the prophet, he put me with the prophet that in a lot of ways there's a lot of similarities there. Not that I knew that at the beginning because I didn't even know him. Are you listening? And so even though there's some things in him I don't have, I mean, gifting-wise, there's similarities, but he's him and I'm me. See, God put me 
with him and he brought gifts to this church and he brought some order to the church that I didn't previously have and began to help me to step into fully what I'm doing today. I'm enriched in him, in the Holy Ghost, because I give utterance to pray out and then I get knowledge and I'm enriched. Oh, hallelujah. We're in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Paul made this statement. I thank my God. Now, I'm pointing this out because so many of our critics say, well, you know, that's of the devil. Isn't that interesting? The man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the man that most of the theologians quote in their theological treatise of different books of the Bible, especially New Testament, want to quote Paul as such a learned man, which he was, spoke four or five languages as far as I understand, very intellectual, very keen in knowledge and knew a lot, and trained under Gamaliel, boy, the premier teacher of his day to teach him and sit under Gamaliel. And yet, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Boy, they don't get that, that verse. They don't, they don't acknowledge that. Yeah, I like to just say he spoke in tongues more. I'm, I'm encouraging you, if you don't get anything else out of today, you need to learn to speak in tongues, M-O-R-E. Say it again. There's a lot of knowledge you're going to miss if you don't give utterance to some things. Not just utterance about, uh, you know, a particular area, but every area that you need help in. Your business, your mind, your marriage, your children, your future, your retirement. If you have a ministry, you're called to fivefold. If that was the case, there's a, there's a few in here. that you're going to have to pray that out. Just like I got to pray things out. You don't ever get to the place you don't have to pray things out because there's always things in the future. <clears throat> so Paul gave preeminence and prominence to speaking and praying in other tongues. Tongues is primarily for a believer's own personal, spiritual edification it's for your own personal way to communicate with God. Think about that. Yeah, I can talk to God in English. Father, I love you. I worship you. But I can also switch gears and say, Yeah, worship him. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. Paul valued speaking with tongues. You don't thank God for something you don't value. You ever thought about that? You don't thank God for a wife and she's no count. You don't thank God for a husband. He's a low-lifer, never takes care of you. Won't go to work. He's a bum. You know, you don't do that. No, you don't. You thank God and value. You thank God for the things you value. There's a blessing and a source of power for everyday life. You ought to at least write that down or make a note of that. Everyday life found only in speaking in other tongues. And Paul knew that. And he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. One translation says, I speak in tongues. I think Pastor Nancy quoted it. I don't know what translation it is. I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. So I don't know where she found that, but I'm sure she's a very studious lady and pastor and woman of God. I know she can be trusted. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. I'm still talking to you about the value of giving utterance to things. Hallelujah. For he that speaketh, verse 2, in an unknown tongue, that just means it's not known to the speaker, speaks not unto men but unto God. Notice he's talking to God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. And we've went over this before. But he's first of all speaking to God, and other people are not understanding him because he is speaking to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then it says, Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. And we've said that that Greek word mysteries there means plans and purposes. That's going to come back up, back up in a minute on another chapter and another verse, and I want you to keep hold of that. I'm speaking out. Now, now this didn't mention prayer. I just want to make a note of that. This is talking about speaking. Of course, you could say it's prayer generically because it's communication between you and God. And really, God's in here. 
He lives in heaven, but his spirit lives in here. And so anyway, you understand what I'm saying, do you not? So we're, we're, we're speaking, and sometimes it is prayer, but sometimes it's just speaking and talking things over with the Lord. I could say to the Lord, for example, in English, Lord, what do you want me to do about that? And he may speak to me right there on the spot, or I may say, I feel there's some unseen things I need to pray about concerning this situation. I'm going to get into that in a minute. So I begin to pray in the Spirit, and then the Lord can reveal other things that are unseen to me at present. But notice this in verse 2. This form of speaking is important. Of course it is, because God provided it for our use. You hear people say, well, I don't, if I don't understand it, how would it be important? Well, God provided it. Don't you think he's intelligent? <laughs> he provided a way for you to communicate with him by speaking in other tongues. It must be important. He's provided it for us. And it's not only natural, it's supernatural. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, I'm telling you, there's some things in here. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 14 a minute. I want to, and starting there, let's see here. Verse 14, it says, For if I pray, now here he's talking about praying specifically, uh, prayer, in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Notice, not his head. You know, there are certain things you, you know in your head to pray, to pray the word about, or the, you know the scripture, so you could take the scriptures and pray that out. You follow me? But sometimes there's a praying out of our spirit that needs to come forth. And here he says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. So that tells me before I read the rest of this that I am a spirit. You are a spirit. If I pray in a tongue, I know unknown's in here, it's not in the original Greek, but if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So, you know, many times I'm praying for the services and I'll say, Father, now I thank you that you would extend your hand to heal and that signs and wonders be done in the name of the Holy Child Jesus, Acts 4, you know, 30, Acts 4, 29, that, Father, you give boldness to me to speak the utterances of God, the Word of God. But then I begin to pray in other tongues. See, and I begin to pray. I began to pray. My spirit begins to pray. Just as valid. Now, I'm doing this to illustrate some things, be an example to you today. So I'm showing you that. I don't have to interpret everything for you because I'm talking about illustrations right now and, and giving you an example. You know, praise the Lord. So some people say, well, now, how, how necessary is this? Well, it must be necessary. He put it in there. How important is it? Well, <laughs> we've just studied that out of Philippians to figure to learn what's of real value. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, I'm not praying out of my head. You know, I mean, I, I've learned some things over the years. I don't know everything, but I do know some things. And I, I, I know how to pray about things in my, in my regular vocabulary because I've studied and I've applied and learned. Like, like for example, when I was first saved, you know, like, like all the other unbelief around me in my denomination, somebody would say, well, hey, would you pray over us? They'd call on some congregation. Would you pray over us as we dismiss this service? And somebody would stand up, even me probably, and say, Father, be with us as we leave this place. Now that is the biggest form of unbelief I have ever heard. Now, I didn't know at the time I was praying that that was an inaccurate prayer. But Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So I didn't need to tell God to go with me. He'd already promised to be with me. What a waste of my time. It sounded good, and everybody said amen. We all went to eat lunch. But it really didn't have any bearing on anything because God, that's like telling God, I don't believe you. Will you please go with me? Now, you know, if I told you something and I, I lied to you and I couldn't come through and I didn't call you back and tell you I couldn't produce whatever, that's lying. I hope you don't do that to me. You know, we owe the, these people money, this guy up in Indianapolis, and, 
you know, Sean, he works for me. And I said, call him up and ask him if he would flow with me in this. Give me 90 days to pay him without charging me any interest, and I'll pay him the whole amount, $17,000. I'd already sent him a check for $20,000. And just a day or two later, I had Sean to call, and he said, sure, I'll do that. We're not getting any calls from our people that owe us. Now, if I, if I couldn't do that, I had to August the 12th, but it's already paid, so I'm good. But if I hadn't been able to come through, you better believe it, my friend. I would have called him if it was August 11th. or If August the 12th went by to midnight, I wouldn't pull my faith off of that. But I would have the courtesy to call him and say, Listen, I apologize. This is Pastor Jacobs. I'm, I'm the one to ask you to sign your name with me on this contract that you wouldn't charge me. So whatever you need to do, sir, go ahead. And, you know, I'm just talking about me. I'm not throwing that at anybody else. You've got to do what you've got to do. But I'm talking about God, us treating God like he's not right. Like he don't mean what he says. He said you can have what you say, but then you say what you have. And you wonder why you have what you're saying. You don't believe it. I've noticed my daughter in this pregnancy, I've never heard one word of unbelief come out of her. Or Jacob. And I remember that same way it was with Roman. And, of course, he had issues, some of them, and they got corrected. Hey, praise God, we just all as a family stayed in faith. You know, we're not saying we got a corner on anything, but we do know how to talk right. And we are taught well here, and we do our best to apply what we know. You know, there's no shame in recognizing that maybe we missed something, if you missed it somewhere and backing up and learning again how to do it right. But for goodness sake, to tell God, will you please go with me? See, I would never do that to him and insult him. That'd be like if I told you, I'm going to give you $100, Devin, after this service, and he'd be standing around up here. Well, Pastor, are you going to do it or not? Pastor, are you going to give it to me or not? I really got to go. Mary's got lunch on. Are you going to pay me or not? That'd be insulting to me if I told him I would do it. That he didn't trust me that I was good for it. I'm just talking to you about some things here. <clears throat> God's told us in the scriptures, I don't have time to go over there with you right now. I'm getting, I'm getting, my time's running out, and I want to get into this here. This is important, this other page, but I want to make a comment. You know, when we talk here about praying in other tongues, and the verse 14 particularly, and of course he does go on in verse 15 and say I can pray with the Spirit and I can pray with understanding also so there's nothing wrong with praying in your known language we're not criticizing that but if you're going to pray in English know what you're doing <laughs> there's books in the bookstore there's your pastor <laughs> you know, I taught on intercessory prayer for 16 years just, just intercessory prayer so I know a few things 16 years, once a week, an hour teaching on just inter... Not, not the prayer of uh, other agreement and all the other stuff, and, 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 but just to intercede. How do you pray for somebody else? How do you get into some of that? We're going to get into uh, something here in a minute and teach you, and then tonight we're going to move in something. But here's my point I wanted to say before I go to this next page. Do you remember in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, that he said that may God sanctify you completely or holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, your whole spirit and soul and body? What did he put first? Yeah, this is open book test. Your whole spirit, soul, and body. What did he put first? Spirit. It's not a trick question. <laughs> and so, you know, wouldn't it stand to reason if he put spirit first that I ought to put spirit first? i tell you what would do you good if you don't do this is before you get out of bed in the morning or when your foot hits the pavement, uh, you know, you should start speaking in other tongues a little bit. Let that be the first thing out of your mouth or, or at least the first thing that you utter on the way to work, you know. Father, I'm just tuning in to you a little bit here. You got any things from headquarters I need to know about today? Some of you, you know, of course, we're not fax people anymore, hardly. We got an old machine. We'll probably put that up for sale pretty soon, but <laughs> stand by. <laughs> we got emails. We got this kind of mails. We got vibrators and dongers and dingers, you know, on our belts, and they're zinging and zanging and all kinds of 
because we're a communication people, but I think we cut ourselves off when it comes to God. It's like you go in there and cut all the cords, all the electrical equipment, and wonder why you can't get an email. You never spend any time in utterance. He's speaking, you just have to listen. You have to tune into that. And once you begin to learn how to, and part of it's in what I'm teaching you this morning, then you, it'll become easier and more. You know, I woke up 5.30 in the morning. I wasn't thinking about Jim Ziegler. I don't wake up at 5.30 thinking about, uh, you know, Jim Ziegler. I, I'm, I'm getting up to use the bathroom. You know, I woke up and had to go and to get a drink of water. My mouth was kind of dry. But when I woke up, when I first woke up, he said, this, I want to talk to you about Jim and Helen. And then he told me what I told them. And he said, I want you to obey me today and do that. Hallelujah. See, because I was tuned in. That's all I'm saying. I'm not no super something or other. I'm, I, but I am a person that tries to be sensitive to the Spirit. Hallelujah. So God put the Spirit first. We ought to put the Spirit. Did it ever occur to you that when, when Ephesians tells us we ought to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in our inner man, He was writing to Spirit-filled believers already, and yet He told them to be strengthened by the Spirit? Do you think perhaps just maybe He was saying, you need to pray in tongues about some things? Instead of just praying that prayer in English, which we've been praying for over 20 years, I have. Almost every day of my life. Strengthened with might according to his, you know, power and might. But what part of that does, you can pray it out in English out of your Bible, but part of it is by praying in the Spirit, I strengthen that inward man. And I'm trying to help you. And let me get to my other page here. This may be more important than anything I've said so far. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to get into some of this by practice tonight. We don't have time this morning, nor is it appropriate. But I want to talk to you a little bit about these verses here because some people don't understand them. And i got another verse or two down through here that I'll try to get to if I can to help you to see some value again to speaking in other tongues. Now here we are, Romans 8. We'll begin in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, same person, also helps our infirmities. Now, normally we would think of infirmities in other passages of Scripture in the New Testament as applying to sickness and disease. But in this passage of Scripture, this really deals with our shortcomings, our inability to, to, to get a hold of some things, perhaps. Now, listen how this fun functions now. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth, so that's in line with what we know the Holy Spirit is our helper. Our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now, he didn't say we don't know we need to pray. We just maybe don't know how to pray for something as we ought. You know, again, I know how to pray. I know how to pray in some settings, but there may be an additional what that I don't know how to pray for as I ought in that setting. Now pay attention here. But the Spirit, and it should read himself. I don't know why they translated it itself. It's not. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Now, he's not moving without us. Remember, we just read it. He's our what? Our helper. It's a little misleading here. The Holy Ghost is not interceding apart from us. But we, we're talking here about the Holy Spirit taking hold together with us. Let me read it. The Spirit himself makes intercession uh, for us, or we would say with us, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, it's interesting in the Greek New Testament, this passage, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I've read after some that are. This is the way you could interpret the latter part of verse 26. With groanings that cannot come out of my normal speech. Now, if you weren't here Tuesday, you, you maybe don't know what I'm talking about, or some of you that have experienced would know. Now, I can pray in the Spirit. Anytime I will to do that. We've already learned that and studied. But there are times, like Tuesday, we got in, and I got into some groanings. And I, I couldn't hardly articulate it. I mean, it was coming up from down within me, and then, then an angel appeared to me and needed instruction about something from me. So then, I, then we went over into speaking with tongues of angels. I know I'm throwing out some meaty stuff, and, and my, not everybody might walk in that. But here's my point. When he talks about groaning, he's not talking about you just 
wanting to get your voice lower and but you're going to get into some things. By, now listen, he's going to have to take hold together with you in that. That's what that also implies there in the Greek. The Holy Ghost, listen, takes hold together with you as you begin to pray over certain things. And if it's needed, then the Holy Spirit will take hold with you for that. And sometimes you may just be praying long in tongues. You might get in a diversity of tongues, a different aspect, a different dialect. I've been over there several times. Years ago, 20 years ago, I prayed. I got over in a Japanese type of dialect and had a vision and saw myself praying for a guy sitting by a lake with a Japanese outfit and a fishing pole and one of those funny hats on. The Lord said, this is, you're praying for this man. And I just still didn't know what I'm praying for because, I mean, I know who I'm praying for, but I didn't know the depth of all that, and it got into groanings, and it got into a dialect I wasn't familiar with different than anything I'd ever spoke before or since. Then back here in, the, in our fellowship hall several years ago in the 90s, I got over in the Spirit with some intercessors one time and got over in what seemed to be some kind of a, 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 an Indian dialect. It almost sounded like chinese a real choppy type stuff. And then when I got out and went to the Navajos, I went three times to the Navajo Indians out west, and I, and I listened to them speak. I thought, well, that's the language I was speaking in. That, it was like that. And when not identical, I mean, you know, I couldn't tell what they were saying. But it was like that same syntax, like that same phonics. Yeah, I don't get into that every day, but there are times. See, now people sometimes never get into it. Sometimes it's because they're not acquainted with it. And sometimes that they don't give enough time to utterance. Well, what's this? Well, I don't know. Well, pray it out. And you, God's not weird. People are weird. God's not. If he's in it, it'll make sense eventually. See, every time I've gotten like that and did something like that, I've seen results from that. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Hallelujah. See, remember what we read here? Don't try to stop the activity of the Spirit. There's a whole lot more I dare not tell you until you get a hold of some of these basic things. I'm not bragging on me, but I mean, I'm not playing with this. I've been in this a long time. I've spent a lot of time, a lot of time by myself over the years in motel rooms and things like that praying when nobody else was around. I'm not bragging on me. I don't know everything. I know something, and I'm sharing with you little bits and pieces that would help you right here in this verse. Notice it said in the last part of verse 26, this has to be uttered, or we'd say has to be given utterance to. I know sometimes we can get covered up, you and I and all of us, with, with the way the world thinks and CNN and Fox News and, uh, you know, and, and some one incident where a guy, you know, insults another guy black and white or you, when they're through, it'll be the Hispanics and the whites and, and then the blacks and the Hispanics. It's all, it's all coming to pass. Just get a clue. Be a covenant person. Love everybody. And don't let people that get in stuff like that pull you aside to try to figure it out. Carnal people are going to be ugly. Hey, I don't care what color you are. You ain't got no sense at all unless you're spiritual. You're just trying to live in this earth and you're doing in something, not you, but people doing a poor job of it. Going to pass a law to try to change how blacks feel against whites and white. Come on, President. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't know what side of the bed you got up on, but it isn't a real side. Teaching people we're not going to do that. You might put people in jail, and you might handcuff them for being smart aleck, but you ain't going to change somebody's internal attitude through a law. Who do you think you are? Only God can change you. Only God can change a human being. Only God can put in you what needs to be right about your attitude with people. And see, you get so involved in all that in your head. You know, I said to my wife, what if, like me, an Irish background, what if somebody he'd insulted an Irish American? I bet he wouldn't have got to the front page. He wouldn't even been in the paper. Give me a break. They need to figure it out. They need to apologize if there's anything that's been done wrong. I don't know. But I'm not going to make a war issue out of it. The blacks, the whites, the Hispanics, all of them going to fight until it's all done and said. If they don't get saved, they're going to fight each other. Right. Man, you need to get a hold of that. Right. But we're called to fight the good fight of faith. Yeah. 
and I'm teaching you how to pray in tongues and get beyond all that natural. You can go down to IUS and take a, a class probably on cultures and culture wars and I don't know what all. And you're still going to be as goofy as when you went in. <laughs> because only God's going to change your insides. <laughs> See, every, every carnal people, whatever color, they're always trying to dominate somebody else. That's just the nature of human beings because fallen man wants to dominate. I'm preaching real good. Verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts, that'd have to be the Holy Ghost, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. He knows the direction of the Spirit when we're praying in the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints. That person that we're talking about is us according to the will of God. When I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, I know I'm praying according to the will of God because the Holy Spirit's helping me, whether it's groanings or just praying in the Spirit, either way. But what I'm trying to show you is this is important that we begin to understand that. Sometimes you don't even know how to pray for yourself totally. Do you ever think of that? You think some, something is your problem over here and your problem's way over here. There's an unseen realm here too, my friend. Remember Ephesians 6? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Boy, I just hate that guy I work for. Well, do you? Well, you need to get saved then. He may be ornery, but you shouldn't hate him. You may not like him real well, and you may want to get away from him at the lunch counter. You know, hallelujah. But you ought to be praying, realizing your problems is not in another person. Your problem's in the realm of the Spirit. Oh, my goodness, I thought I'd get a bigger amen. Dustin, say something. You know, there's a seen realm and an unseen realm, and you're trying to fix your life with everything you see and feel. Oh, I don't feel so good. Oh, I really feel good about that. Well, what's that have to do with it? Your flesh will feel good about stuff that will send you to hell. Wow, <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, I just want that person. Yeah, that person's not right. Oh, my goodness. Praying the will of God, God can give you understanding you didn't have before you prayed in tongues. Hallelujah. The Spirit takes hold together with us, and we do the praying. We can't make Him take hold together with us in these groanings. Nowhere in the Bible do we ever find the Holy Ghost comes to do anything for you apart from you. Well, you need to get a hold of that. He's your helper. And let me show you something else. I'm not quite done over here. I'm going to come back to 1 Corinthians, but go back to Deuteronomy 29, 29. Is this helping you? Talking about the importance and value of praying in other tongues, and there's other, uh, many more things we could say. I'm just hitting some highlights. But look at uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, because I'm bringing this to you because sometimes you begin to pray about situations. I know I have before in several settings where my friends were in trouble and different things. And sometimes I could pray something and change it, and sometimes the Holy Ghost wouldn't take hold together with me. Sometimes I know more than I've ever said publicly. Some things I'll never tell you about, and other things I might have permission to tell. Some of you were in a meeting in this, in this very sanctuary, not the new one, but in this room. And I was praying over a friend of mine. I was walking these steps one, one, one Sunday night, I think it was, or some night, could have been midweek, and began to pray in the Holy Ghost, and I and got over this direction, and I began to cry. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, I'm not going to take hold together with you about it. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, 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 that bothered me at the time. You know, I, God, I, let me turn it. Can I? I'll give myself to it. You know, of course, I'd asked him that before a few times. But he didn't, he didn't talk to me like he did that night. He said, you just need to let it go. He's coming home. He's not going to live. He's going to die and come on to heaven. Well, that wasn't what I wanted to hear, but that's what God needed to tell me, and I'll show you why. Here in Deuteronomy 29, 29, if, if you found that, it says, The th secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do the words of this law. In other words, there's things that could be revealed to us, but God is the judge in that, and there are some things that are secret between those people and God alone. It's none of your business. It's none of my business. 
And if God, if I go to pray about something, I, I remember my dad's the same way. I was trying to turn it for him, and the Lord said, Michael, Michael, stop it. I said, Lord, I don't want to stop it. I want to help. He said, no, your dad's coming home. You're, you're not going to change it. Now, those were two situations. Some I knew more about than others. Some I didn't know as much. But And, and, and the, the Lord said, that's a, that's a secret thing between me and them. It's none of your business. Well, you better drop it. When God says that to me, I've learned the hard way. Just drop it. You can keep pounding on the door. He's not going to open it. If it's a secret thing, but and I, you know, I'm thankful that he has integrity. He doesn't have to answer to me about other people and what they've done with their life or haven't done. I'm, I'm really talking bigger than you're saying amen. You're just kind of... I want to be effective in prayer, but there are times that there's things that are secret things between that person and the Lord, and unless God lets you see into that, and sometimes he might tell you something, but still tell you it's none of your business, let it go. Other times he said, I'm not even talking to you about that. Stay out of it. Other times he showed me a lot more, you know, after somebody went home. He showed me why. He maybe didn't show me everything, just showed me what a portion of this is part of the reason, he would say to me in one setting. This part of the reason that went that way. Because, you know, our, our attitude is, oh, we're going to do it, we're going to turn it around. Well, you're not going to do it without the Holy Ghost helping you. And we should want to turn everything around. We should want to help everybody if we can, of course. I, don't misunderstand. I'm trying to bring some balance here. But you can pray and pray and pray until you can't hardly talk. You can scream and holler and do all the above if God just, and, and still just wear yourself out and if the Holy Ghost doesn't take a hold with you. It's just going to be in vain. I can tell you. You can listen to me or just go ahead and try it. But, but thank God we can see from Romans that sometimes He can take hold together with us and He, he will help us pray according to the will of God. And isn't it interesting, I, I'm in Deuteronomy, but in Romans he said, and we know all things work together for good to them that are called. Now, I'm over in a little deeper realm right now with you. I'm going ahead and shoot a couple things out. I don't know if you can handle it, but I'll, if you can't, just shove it to the side of your plate until you can eat it. I remember a brother, some, brother Hagen said, you know, he prayed death off every family member one time, but he couldn't do it the second time. And one time, I remember he, he, he said uh, his sister had cancer, and he believed for her, and she got healed, and she lived another five years, and then she got a different kind of cancer, and he, go, he got, got to, with the Lord and began to pray about it, and the Lord said, leave it alone. I, I'm, it's not going to work. He said, she's had five years. You're, you're, you come on the radio every day in her city. She's not listened to one of your broadcasts. She's never read one of your books. She's never listened to this when we had cassettes. Never listened to one of your cassettes. She hadn't done anything about her faith life whatsoever, and she's going to come home. And you better leave it alone. And then I remember his mother. You know, his mother had, you know, the husband left, Brother Hagin's father left and left all these little kids, and he saw his mom go through all the things, and he, he was close to her because he was an invalid when he was younger and, you know, had a deformed heart and an incurable blood disease, and et cetera. And so she got up, and I think it was, uh, I don't know, I want to say 65 range, and she was dying or going to die. And he went before the Lord and said, Lord, I, I, this isn't right. I want her to live on. And he said, well, right now would be a good time for her to come. And finally, he prevailed on him, Brother Hagin did, Brother Hagin did, and said, well, I'll do it for you. Because Brother Hagin said, now, I won't be mad at you, but he said, every time in eternity I see you, I'm going to bring it up to you. Now, you've got to know God pretty tight to say stuff like that. Believe me, you didn't flippantly talk to God that way. And so eventually he prevailed on him and said, okay, I'll give her so many years. And I think when she was 70 or 80, I don't remember, seemed like it might have been 80, and the day after she was 80, she started dying. She was only there a few days and gone. You know, so. And he gave him one. And then I remember him telling about some situation, said it'd be better for them, other people, to come home now because they got their house in order and things are going to be better. If they don't, they'll suffer a lot. 
because of situations, you know, and some of that is private and some of it may... See, you've got to be spiritual when you get into realms like that. Don't just throw it off on God. Well, what's not been God's will? You want to live healthy when you get older? You better live right now. You want to be able to turn things away from your life? You better learn listen to your pastor right now. When you're a teenager, when you're 20s and 30s and 40s, you keep on goofing ball and, and goofing up and just keep on not paying attention to what your shepherd's telling you and you get up in the 50s and 60s, you're going to need your health. You believe me. You're going to appreciate your health even more than when you was 30. Yeah. See, and so we need to learn how to pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, I had one more thing to say. I'm just going to tell you. It's in, it's in Acts chapter 10, and it talks about they prayed in tongues and magnified God. In other words, praying in tongues makes God bigger to you. Isn't that interesting? Praying in tongues, Acts 10, 44 through 46, praying in tongues makes God bigger. You magnify Him. Makes God bigger for you. Hallelujah. That's, that's sweet, isn't it? And I, I had some more, but I, you know, I'm running out of time here. But you need to worship God and... Uh, uh, you know, not right this second, but you need to worship God and give yourself some time praying in tongues and worshiping God. It isn't all about just some big level of intercession or praying about your future. Those are all legitimate categories, we might say, or building up yourself on your most holy faith. But sometimes you just say, Father, I just come to thank you and praise you. And you're blessing him, the Bible says. And you're blessing him very well, it says. 1 Corinthians 14. You know. But the other person doesn't understand what you said. But then you're not talking to the other person either. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I hope you got some information today that will help you. The value, the value and what is vital about praying in other tongues. And we just touched the surface. There's so much more even. And, and we may talk more about it in the future. I don't know yet, but praise the Lord. Give yourself to that. M-O-R-E. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pastor.